Hey everyone, you're listening to Cinema 5000, podcast hosted by me, Mallory, here to talk to you about what films I have seen recently. And if you are still following the Twitter at Cinema5K, I thank you very much for still following it, because I'm not sure how much long, how much longer, rather, uh, Twitter is still going to be operating and semi-functioning. I have come across a couple bugs here and there. Uh, as far as it just not performing as well as it used to. So fingers crossed that Twitter is somewhat resembling, you know, itself in the future and that you can still follow along. But I do want to bring to your attention right off the bat that I have started an Instagram account in case you want to follow along. It is Cinema 5K, just like the Twitter. Uh, Go to Instagram.com or if you got an account, look, look me up. Or if you know me, yeah, you know how to find that kind of stuff. Uh, <laughs> let's get back to the letterbox, though, and talk about the numbers for what we're at. At 4,991 films seen, so that's just nine to go. And I gotta say, uh, I was thinking <laughs> I was thinking it might be possible for me to go see the new Avatar film, Avatar The Way of Water, as my 5,000th movie, but I just plain and simple don't think that's gonna happen. I just watched too many movies too quickly in a span of time, so at this rate, I should be hitting 5,000 in in around, probably around December 1st or 2nd, and with the holiday weekend coming up, I'll be watching a couple movies at the theater too, so it, uh, it should be not too far from now when I'm hitting that number. So I'm planning, (laughs) let's just say this. I want to make it special, so I think I'm going to make it a movie that I haven't seen before that is just very long and maybe is a bit notable in some way, because I I unfortunately have like no opportunities to go to any kind of special screenings for movies I haven't seen before, either locally or like down in Boston. I even checked up in Portland, Maine to see if there was anything going on, but there just isn't sadly. So like, I can't, I can't like say, I'm going to do this amazing thing for the 5,000th. I'm just going to try to figure something out. Um, I have a couple films in mind. They might not seem spectacular to you, but to me, they might be something that either is like a movie that I just haven't seen that I've always wanted to see. That's maybe really long. It won't be anything like, oh, I'm going to put myself through a movie I have no interest in seeing something, (laughs) you're not going to believe this, but a movie I have no interest in ever watching is Avengers Endgame. Uh, If you know me well, you know why, but if you don't, um, I just am not here for that. (laughs) Um, And yeah, so hitting 5,000, I mean, if 5,000, you know, is not like something amazing, I'm going to also try to make 5,001 kind of amazing too. It's a weird milestone to think about because it might not be 100% correct as in my official 5,000th. Because I know there's movies I come across all the time on Letterboxd where it's like, oh, I've never seen that and then I can, or I have seen it rather, and I've never marked it as watched and I can do so on the app. But uh, yeah, still follow along on Letterboxd because that's where you'll know how these things evolve. Um, Mallory is the login, uh, the that's my login name, uh, account name. So letterboxed, L-E-T-T-E-R, 
L-E-T-T-E-R-B-O-X-D.com slash M-M-M-A-L-L-O-R-Y. That's how you find me. But if you don't care about that, let's just get into the movies. <laughs> um, so we're going back a ways because I haven't done an episode in a little more than a week. Uh, we're going back to actually the 12th of November. I almost said December. Can you believe it or not? Uh, but December is knocking, knocking very soon on our doors in the coldness and the weather and such. So I ended up watching a film I have been wanting to see for a while. I think I had started to watch it once uh, as far as like an online just streaming somewhere and maybe fell asleep and didn't finish it, which is too bad because it's only 87 minutes. Uh, But I'm talking right now about Cobra, the 1986 film directed by George P. Cosmatos. Crime is a disease. Meet the cure. Tough on crime street cop. um, A a tough on crime street cop. That is Lieutenant Marion Cobra Cobretti must protect the only surviving witness to a strange murderous cult with far-reaching plans. So this movie is like just style there's no story <laughs> uh there's this this murderous cult oh my gosh there's some gruesome shit in this movie uh it's pretty nasty but it's kind of a conventional tale of one guy trying to stop this group of people from killing people <laughs> he doesn't quite know how but then again he meets the glamorous model Ingrid played by Brigitte Nielsen and she's the witness to a crime and they're after her, so he has to protect her. There's unfortunately not much to talk about in this movie, um, <laughs> other than maybe Stallone and his sunglasses and the cigarette, and not cigarette, excuse me, the match in his mouth the entire movie. Um, yeah, I know there's some notoriety in this movie for some folks, you know, it's an 80s movie that just goes a little further than your average action movie might go. But sadly, there's just not a lot going on here for a story. Um, but I will say, I will say I definitely enjoyed myself watching this for what it was. Uh, the scenes with Brigitte Nielsen modeling are quite goofy and trying to be chic and futuristic and they come off quite ridiculous. And Stallone is like, he's out there, he's bonkers. This would be a really fun movie uh, to get remade someday by, oh god, I don't even know who would remake it, but they'd have to take it pretty far. Um, Somebody who has like the stylings of like Nicholas Winding Refn, but also a little bit of humor and ridiculousness. Uh, He's he's not too humorous, unfortunately. I don't know who I would think should remake this, but... Cobra for what it is, you could do worse. I didn't hate it. I gave it two and a half out of five stars. I just couldn't give it three stars because it just is, it just isn't, it just isn't quite all there as far as a satisfying story, but you, you could do worse. Uh, Let's move on. I, uh, I eventually a couple days later watched uh, the 1993 movie, This Boy's Life, directed by Michael Canton Jones. I've been wanting to see this for a very long time. Since I was a teenager and had discovered the video store I worked at had this on VHS. Uh, just never got the chance to. Tagline is a true story based on the award-winning book by Tobias Wolf. 
When a son and mother move to Seattle in hopes for a better life, the mother meets a seemingly polite man. Things go south when the man turns out to be an abusive and about to be abusive, endangering their lives. As the mother struggles to maintain hope in an impossible situation, the son has plans to escape. So Robert De Niro stars as the unfortunately abusive partner of Ellen Barkin. Uh, De Niro's character is named Dwight, and Ellen Barkin plays Caroline. Caroline's son is Tobias, who's played by Leonardo DiCaprio. And the story starts out where we understand that Caroline, you know, goes from place to place, unfortunately, because she comes into relationships and unfortunately they end. And she has a good relationship with her son. Though, eventually when she meets Dwight um, up in Seattle, Dwight lives in the town of Concrete, uh, Washington, which is about an hour and a half, a little bit northeast from Seattle. It's north, but a little bit eastern. It's just not near, near the water in the coast of Washington. But Concrete is like not an amazing town. It's it's a working town and the folks there, are, you know, pretty, I don't want to say homely. It's just compared to Seattle, it, it is a small town kind of place. But uh, Tobias starts to act out a bit at school and some of that could be attributed to how his mom's partner, Dwight, you know, treats him around the house and he forces him to go into uh, the scouts seems like a seems like boy scouts standard boy scouts and their relationship is just not so great and it's an unfortunate thing for a young young child to witness and he's he's like teenage years but even so he like gets physically beat by Dwight Dwight has kids of his own too and you can tell they're a little bit scared of him and maybe even conditioned to just not push his buttons and it's an unfortunate scenario thankfully the movie does a good job of painting a story around these people enough where it doesn't rely on the scary moments of Dwight to tell you about these people. Um, But I will say, um, unfortunately for me, I felt like the story, since I've seen this a number of times, the coming of age kind of story where a child maybe wants to move on from their home life and escape, it's a bit conventional at this point, though I can see how this would be a beloved film for a lot of people, especially since DiCaprio's performance really lets you into his head and how he's feeling about living with this man who he he knows deep down is not so great for his mother. I gave it three stars on Letterboxd. It doesn't, doesn't necessarily offer a lot as far as cinematography. Um, I think the scoring was pretty good. It It's a movie that tells a fairly standard kind of family drama story. Standard at this point, I would say, but um, for something based on a true a true life thing. I think he was successful in that. Gave you a good sense of like who uh, Tobias was and why his story getting adapted into a book and then into a movie feels like a natural progression because of its coming of age roots. But yeah, three stars for me on This Boy's Life from 1993, directed by Michael Canton Jones. Okay, so I uh, do from time to time watch a lot of Siskel and Ebert on YouTube and I'm always excited when I find an episode of Siskel and Ebert to watch where I discover a movie I've maybe never heard of before, maybe a movie with an actor that I didn't know they were in or just something I plain old did not know existed by a filmmaker I've never heard of before. 
in this case, uh, the next movie I watched was a film directed by somebody who I knew had dabbled in filmmaking, but I had never seen any of her work. Uh, directed by Sandra Locke, I watched the 1990 film Impulse. Uh, Siskel and Ebert praised this movie because it's of its performance by the lead Teresa Russell and how it was an interesting crime drama film about a woman in a certain scenario. So I'll read you the tagline. She's an undercover cop seduced by a fantasy, trapped in a mystery, led by a dangerous impulse. It's easy to lose control. Regularly working alone undercover with a vice squad boss she dislikes as much as he dislikes her, Lottie Mason is living pretty much on the edge. An assignment helping out the assistant DA may be a start of a serious relationship, but then, tired and disillusioned after a job one night, she finds herself accepting a proposition in a bar that leads rapidly into a web of murder and deceit. I enjoyed this movie. I found it very captivating. Teresa Russell was really good. There's a lot going on in it, but the movie takes its time in pacing you through what the setup is and how we get to the point where uh, Lottie's character does something that is very dangerous. Um, but <laughs> so in the summary, I mentioned that uh, her boss dislikes her. There's a lot of misogyny and sexism that she experiences in the workplace and it's really difficult to watch because you just know if the right person was overseeing her boss that guy would be fired in a second but because things just slide the way they are and this woman is dealing with these things and she can't say much about it it's it's tough to watch but she ends up uh getting involved with a character who is Stan, played by Jeff Fahey, and the two of them have a relationship that's like, um, <laughs> it's kind of intense, and there's a lot of tension between them. I really liked it. I liked how it was filmed. I liked how they acted across each across each other, and like both the workplace setting, and then when they got together, uh, I, I enjoyed the dynamic between them, and what the story built to, um, especially when there's a crime that goes down that has to do with Lottie on the job and Stan, you know, making sure that she's following like the points that they give her to, um, do this bust. Uh, but then things go wrong and Lottie is just like, she, she can't deal with the moment. She's on edge. She's frustrated. She's, she's ready to just like not go crazy, but she's just like, she's ready to act out. She's ready to just throw caution to the wind. And what ends up happening is she meets this man in a bar and she ends up like going home with him. And she knows that this man she met is under the assumption that she is a sex worker and she's not, but her job requires her to work undercover and be someone she isn't and in her frustration of this crime gone wrong she goes w with this guy just because she knows in that moment she doesn't have to be herself she doesn't have to face the troubling the troubling scenario she was just involved in and all her frustrations can be gone because she can just pretend and just act and um 
nothing necessarily happens between her and the man, but all of a sudden she's witness to something even worse than what happened before. Well, maybe not exactly like exactly worse because that was pretty bad what happened, but um, something bad happens. And so she's now kind of on the run or at least running from what scenario she has been involved with and running from herself and her responsibility. This, this movie had a very good grasp on this Lottie character and building her to be more than just a woman frustrated with herself, but also frustrated with everything around her and how that impacted her life. Like there's a lot of really good layers here. And I thought Teresa Russell was fantastic. Uh, I gave this three and a half stars out of five. Um, it's, it's a very chilly film. Like it's, there's nothing happy about this movie, but if you're looking for a film like set in LA with a good, cool vibe, like that sort of gritty nightlife LA feel, it's not too gritty, but there's just, you know, crime and things happening in this, that for a film made in, I would assume the late eighties and released in the nineties, um, there's a certain vibe you get in this that, uh, a lot of crime thrillers today can't really do. And it's very satisfying. Like I really, really enjoyed this. I would watch this again. Um, like I said, I really enjoyed Teresa Russell, especially her playing against Jeff Fahey and the frustrations they both had together. It's, it's a very satisfying film for me, at least. I hope you would like it, but, uh, I ended up renting this from iTunes. It's not, I don't think it's available on any streaming services for just like, you know, watch it if you subscribe, but it's like a $3 rental, like no, nothing hard there. Um, but yeah, the movie is called Impulse from 1990 and it's directed by Sandra Locke. A couple nights later, I got back to the movie theater and went to see the new film from director Maria Schrader called She Said. This is a brand new 2022 release with the tagline of Will You Go on the Record. The summary is New York Times reporters Megan Tubuhi and Jody Cantor break up one of the most important stories in a generation. A story that helped launch the Me Too movement and shattered decades of silence around the subject of sexual assault in Hollywood. You might be thinking to yourself, this is a very important film, of course I'd want to see it, but is this a subject matter that I'd want to watch for two hours or so? And in my opinion, um, there are better films out there that discover and discuss the subject matter of sexual assault in the workplace, especially focused around Hollywood and Harvey Weinstein. I would recommend watching the movie The Assistant before you watch She Said, uh, or just maybe watching The Assistant instead of watching She Said. The film stars, the, She Said does, um, She Said stars Zoe Kazan and Carrie Mulligan as the two New York Times reporters, and their supporting cast includes Patricia Clarkson, Andre Brower, and Jennifer Ely, as well as Samantha Morton. Uh, unfortunately for me, I was not a big fan of this movie. It felt a bit pretty pedestrian as far as a story about journalism and reporting and how to discover a subject matter that these two women are unfamiliar with as journalists and how far it goes into the industry that they are now getting familiar with. Um, the Hollywood the Hollywood machine itself releasing this movie is uh, just... Uh, a weird thing to see, especially since this is uh, produced by Plan B, which is Brad Pitt's entertainment company, and Brad Pitt himself has been accused of abuse by his now ex-wife. Uh, I, I was just not a fan of this movie and how it discussed 
this subject matter. Uh, there's another movie some years ago about journalism that kind of follows the same path one this one does. You may be familiar with the film Spotlight, uh, which discussed the Catholic church abuses in the Boston area. Uh, that went on to win Best Picture. I'm not sure if she said chances, but for me, this movie just didn't show me anything new. The developments and how these people go about the subject matter wasn't, you know, I don't want to say entertaining. I just think the way it was presented wasn't very interesting. Uh, there is one performance I will mention that was something I found very captivating and uh, on a level that the rest of the movie really should have aimed for, and that was Samantha Morton's performance. Uh, she played Zelda Perkins, who is actually a real person. And the way she provides the story to Zoe Kazan's character about what she understood to happen to a, a co-worker of hers at Miramax when she worked there. This co-worker was assaulted by Harvey Weinstein and how the character Zelda describes the situation and how they went about um, trying to reprimand Harvey for his wrongdoing is just tragic and so incredibly sad. There was just nothing they could actually do to stop him from ever doing this again because of the way that the legal system worked against them, basically, when it came to the settlement and trying to prevent him from doing this. There's some very tragic moments in this movie, but as far as a film, I just didn't find too much of it, um, yeah, enjoyable. I don't want to say enjoyable, but it just didn't work for me. I gave this two and a half out of five, and it's just, it's just too bad that it just wasn't as successful as it could have been. I also, um, I will say I just don't, I, I don't know if the casting of Zoe Kazan and Carrie Mulligan was very good either, um, but directing wise and editing, all that kind of stuff, it just felt just not quite, not quite new. It just felt too familiar and wasn't, you know, something I had, hadn't seen before. It didn't break any new ground and, you know, it, you'd want to watch a movie that's about a subject matter like this and just hope they do a good job of presenting it to you in a way that you can watch and understand, but um, there are too many other drawbacks to the film and its subject matter, unfortunately. And it's strange to think that there's another movie about women running into issues where they are trying to just live their lives and not be abused called Women Talking, which I do recommend Which when it comes to theaters later this year. Um, but this one could have been Women Walking because there are so many scenes of these women, these women journalists just walking, walking to work, walking in their workplace, walking to, you know, their homes, walking to go meet someone. Um, I, a, a keener eye on the filmmaking process and how to tell the story I think was desperately needed in this one, unfortunately. So I uh, went back to the movie theater actually the following day to go see the brand new 2022 release uh, directed by Ryan Coogler. That is Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Tagline is forever. Summary goes as this. Clean Ramonda, Shuri Mbaku Okoye, and Dora Milaje fight to protect their nation from an intervening world powers in the wake of King T'Challa's death. As the Wakandans strive to embrace their next chapter, the heroes must band together with the help of war dog Nakia and Everett Ross and forge a new path for the kingdom of Wakanda. So I'll go ahead and straight out say that I enjoyed um, at least the acting in this movie. The performances, I like all the characters and the characters I don't like um, are thankfully not on screen all the time. I'll just go ahead and say that the white people in this movie 
just keep showing up to remind you that this is a Marvel movie and we just don't need them. It really frustrates me that you get <laughs> you get Julia Louis-Dreyfus and Martin Freeman just showing up because, of course, they have to. But setting them aside, um, I enjoyed the entire cast of this movie. Um, you know, controversy aside, Letitia Wright is good as Shuri. Uh, Lupina Nyong'o is in this far too little for me. Uh, I think she's wonderful, and she's such a great screen presence. Denai Guerrero is also wonderful. Winston Duke, like, you could give him his own movie as M'Baku. He's just so great. Um, and then there's new characters like Michaela Cole. I will say um, up front, Michaela Cole, she should have been in this movie more. Angela Bassett, I didn't like the developments of her character in this movie, and if you've seen the movie, you know why. Um, but she's great. She's not in the movie enough. Um, and then we've got this new, um, I don't want to say villain, this new conflict to do with uh, Tanach Herta's character, Namor. Uh, I find Namor in his uh, home very interesting. Um, sadly, everything to do with Namor could have been so much better. And this is the biggest problem I have with the movie. The world building and the graphics in this movie are just devastatingly poor. A lot of this movie looks very cheap. The graphics work is like so evident everywhere, but also very badly done. Uh, there are scenes where there are battles outside in nighttime that are clearly all green screen and they look just, they just look terrible. They look awful. And it's so obvious that Disney no longer wants to actually go to destinations. I mean, there are scenes where they do go places as in places like the woods of Southern California. Um, <laughs> and thankfully there are some moments that are supposed to be Haiti, but I believe are filmed in Puerto Rico. Those are the only good moments. And you can tell where it's actual outdoors versus, you know, a soundstage where they are trying to give you the green screen experience of this vast world. But so much is missing from this movie that was present in the last Black Panther movie as far as environments and just design that um, was so much better the first time around. And it's really too bad because um, there's so much you can do with what Wakanda is and what Namor's home is and the underwater stuff. Some of the underwater stuff looked just very goofy. I... um. I'm so sad to say that because I did overall like this movie, but these characters and these actors all deserve better. Um, I gave the film three stars. I'm not going to spoil anything to do with it. I'll just say that it has a satisfying conclusion. Overall, the script is not where this is at fault. It's just the kind of things that this is a production should have. It is lacking. It's lacking some bigness. It's lacking some crisp and finesse. And I don't know where the $250 million went, frankly. Um, I don't know if Disney is like fully driving the ship or what, but Ryan Coogler deserves a big budget. And if they're going to make another Wakanda movie, it I just would be hoping that it doesn't look as shoddy as this one. And it's really too bad because beyond like the production design, you've got these interesting costumes. There, I mean, there are some costumes that are remarked on in the film as being not so great. Um, and it's just too bad that so much of this left a lot more to be desired. So I would say that hopefully the next Wakanda film is a lot better than this one, but I don't think this is a total watch despite that. And so for the final film that I'm going to talk to you about on this episode, I went a different route. I watched a foreign film from Italy. I say foreign film just to tell you it's not American. But the 2018 film direct 
directed by Matego Garone, called Dogman. The story doesn't have a tagline, but it goes like this. Marcello, a small and gentle dog groomer, finds himself involved in a serious, uh, excuse me, a dangerous relationship of subjugation with Simone, a former violent boxer who terrorizes the entire neighborhood. In an effort to reaffirm his dignity, Marcello will submit to an unexpected act of vengeance. This was an interesting film. Um, I don't think I loved it. It's a bit dirty and grimy, and that's not my problem with it. Um, the story just feels kind of familiar and obvious, unfortunately. But I really love the character Marcello, played by Marcello Fonte. Uh, Marcello's just an average guy. He's got this dog groomer shop, and there's, you know, there's some cute dogs here and there. And he has a daughter he takes care of. Um, but sadly, uh, he has this bear of a man, uh, <laughs> I guess you could say Simone, who um, Marcello sells illegal drugs to and is very brutal and not very kind. And people in the neighborhood even remark that maybe someone should do something about Simone. Um, but Marcello, um, unfortunately, like takes the fall for a uh, burglary that happens at his own shop in the cops come and they, you know, want to know, like, you know, you know who did this, right? And Marcello says, I don't, I don't, but you were broken into. And then he ends up going to prison on behalf of Simone because he knows that if he doesn't, something bad could happen. But then there is a turn and I'm not going to tell you what the turn is. There is some brutality and other stuff, but there's brutality in different instances throughout this film. It's a dark story, but you want to hope that someone like Marcello can find his way through the scenario of dealing with Simone and come out the other end okay, especially since he's a family man and he's got these dogs that he wants to take care of at his little shop, you know, every day. Um, there's some darkness in this, and for a film that is just 103 minutes, it's not a lot to get you know, invested in. It's not like some three-hour epic. It's a fairly small story about one man in his community and the weight of the person in the community who is causing problems and how he deals with that. Um, I do recommend it. Uh, like I said, I only give it three stars out of five. Um, I uh, don't think it's a bad film in any sense. It's just maybe not the story for me, but, but it is a film that I think if somebody was looking for something offbeat, something a little different, something not familiar, something very far away from your typical American, you know, film fair, if they had this as an option from like a, a streaming service, I see that this may be on Tubi. I actually saw this through a DVD from Netflix DVD, but this is a film I can see myself recommending. Uh, I know it played at the Cannes Film Festival some years ago and did fairly well on the um, sort of foreign film circuit of sorts, <laughs> at least in the United States. Maybe not a big hit, but I, I knew of this movie from some years ago before I saw it. So I, uh, I do recommend Dogman, uh, the 2018 film directed by Matteo Garon. And so that's the show for this week. Uh, thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. And like I said at the beginning of the show, oh goodness, we're at 4,991 movies. So just nine to go. Um, <laughs> you'll hear not too far from now about what my 5,000th movie is, but I do want to give you also a little sneak of something coming too. Because of the holidays and the, you know, new year, this and that, uh, things are going to slow down maybe a little bit. I'm hoping I find time to do this show, but if I don't, um, I do have one special episode coming up soon that I am planning to release at the end of the year. 
that is going to have a special kind of focus. It's not going to be a typical episode, but it is going to be an episode where I do review movies I have seen as usual, but it's not going to be so usual. It'll be a little special, a little different, um, and uh, you'll learn more about that when it happens. But again, I'm Mallory. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. And like I mentioned before, if you have been listening on one place such as Spotify, iTunes, or whatever. I'm also on Amazon, also on Stitcher, all those other places you can find. And yeah, uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode and you come back next week so we can talk about more as we get closer to the 5,000th movie. Thanks. Bye.